Everyone, can everybody hear me? I think everybody can hear me. Hey, it is great to have you here. I am Dan. I'm the lead pastor here. This is Monica next to me. She's a connections director here on staff. And then Josh, he is on staff too, building and grounds director. We're glad to be here on our 26th year anniversary as a church. 26 years. So I think we need to sing happy birthday to ourselves, if that's okay. So we're going to sing happy birthday to us. Ready? Here we go. Happy birthday to us. Happy birthday to us. Happy birthday, dear LCC Life Community, LCC Hilliard, whatever you want to call us. Happy birthday to us. All right, let's give him thanks. Let's clap for him because he's the head of our church. And on the 26th year anniversary of our church, we find ourselves in a different location, right? On our 26th, we'll always remember, 26th, we're in a different location. Um, but it's an opportunity for us today, and this is what we're going to do. We're going to step back and talk about the church and talk about who we are to be as the church, all right? So uh, we're going to do this. We're going to start in Romans 12 today. So if you got your Bible and you can turn to Romans 12, and we're actually going to read from a different translation today. This is a very familiar passage to many, probably many of us, um, but we're going to read it in the message translation today and uh, take it in. So Josh, Monica, and I are going to read it, and then we'll talk about it, okay? So here we go. I'll start. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. I'm speaking to you out of deep gratitude for all that God has given me, and especially as I have responsibilities in relation to you. Living then, as every one of you does, in pure grace, it's important that you not misinterpret yourselves as people who are bringing this goodness to God. No, God brings it all to you. The only accurate way to understand ourselves is by what God is and by what he does for us, not by what we are and what we do for him. In this way, we are like the various parts of a human body. Each part gets its meaning from the body as a whole, not the other way around. The body we're talking about is Christ's body of chosen people. Each of us finds our meaning and function as a part of his body. But as a chopped off finger or a cut off toe, we wouldn't amount to much, would we? So since we find ourselves fashioned into all these excellently formed and marvelously functioning parts in Christ's bodies, let's just go ahead and be what we were made to be, without enviously or pridefully comparing ourselves with each other or trying to be something we are not. If you preach, just preach God's message. Nothing else. If you help, just help. Don't take over. If you teach, stick to your teaching. If you give encouraging guidance, be careful that you don't get bossy. If you're put in charge, don't manipulate. If you're called to give aid to people in distress. Okay. 
Keep your eyes open. Whoa, where am I at? I'm going to start with where I'm at. Okay, if you're called to give aid to people in distress, keep your eyes open and be quick to respond. If you work with the disadvantaged, don't let yourself get irritated with them or depressed by them. Keep a smile on your face. Love from the center of who you are. Don't fake it. Run for dear life from evil. Hold on for dear life to good. Be good friends who love deeply. Practice playing second fiddle. Don't burn out. Keep yourselves fueled and aflame. Be alert servants of the master, cheerfully expectant. Don't quit in hard times. Pray all the harder. Help needy Christians and be inventive in hospitality. Okay, can we pray for a second? God, it's good to hear your word. It's good to take in your word. And we pray that as today as we talk about Holy Spirit would be active today and showing each of us individually what it means to be connected as a body together, what it means to pursue you, and what it means to, to champion others above ourselves. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray this. Amen. Okay. Let me talk about four things to think about as we look at this passage, right? And this is a great passage for us this week in group to just read and to unpack together, all right? First of all, Verse 1 talks about us presenting ourselves, right? We take our ordinary life and we present it to God. We place it as an offering before God, all right? Verses, verse 2 talks about focusing on God, that we fix our attention, we fix our mind on him and away from the pattern of the world. Verses 4 through 8 talk about the fact that we are to find our meaning and our function as a part of his body, a part of the church, right? That means we're connected. That means we have a really high view of community. And then those final verses, verses 10 to 13, talk about what it looks like to honor others above ourselves, to honor one another above ourselves. So this is our role. This is part of what it means to be a follower, a disciple of Jesus. Uh, put simply, if you look at it, the first two are love God. The second two are love, love others and find your place. Now, we live this out at LCC in, in different ways. This is what we do. We say we want to be connected to God and to each other. We want to serve God and each other, and we want to give to God and to each other. We long for everyone, every person in this room, every person connected with this body to be connecting, to be serving, and to be giving, right? Now, I call this the low bar, right? This is the low bar. This, is, it sh this should just come out of what Jesus has done for us. Jesus, as the head of the church, gave his life for us, uh, rose from the dead so that we could have life. So this is low bar stuff for us, right? But God says there's more. There's more. He calls us to set the bar higher. We're not here just to make sure that we're connected, that we're serving, that we're giving, but we want others, we want others to be followers of our King, followers of Jesus, learning to find life in him and to be connected to him and to serve and to give, right? That means we have to cultivate a desire, right, and a will to see other people flourish, to see other people grow and to become disciples, right? We look at the head of our church, Jesus Christ. When he was here, he had compassion on those who were in a poor spiritual condition. 
He longed for something more for them. To his own followers, his disciples, he trained them. He set the example for them. This is what I want, how I want you to serve one another. Uh, in John 13, he says, I've, I've loved you in the same way. I want you guys to love each other, right? So he sets the example that way. Paul writes in Philippians 2, he talks about honoring each other, and he says, in humility, value others above yourself. So there's, there's a way of thinking here, a way of living that God is calling us to. And even, you think about when Jesus left his followers, right? The Great Commission, we know it's in Matthew 28, 18 to 20. And he gave them this charge, but he didn't just tell them in the charge to, hey, I, as I go, I just want you to follow me, right? Just follow me. No, he called them to something else. He, called, he urged them to help others become followers of him, and not just that they say a prayer, but to teach them how to do that, to teach them to connect, to serve, to give, to be connected, to be joined with other people in a body. So, who are we to be as the church? Who are we to be? With Christ as the head of our church, right? We are becoming disciples who long for other people to become disciples, right? That's, that's what the Romans passage talks about. That's what the scriptures talk about. It's why Jesus came. So who? Who are we talking about here, right? Well, obviously, everybody. We want everybody to know know Jesus, right, and follow him. But we think even, like, right around here, we have our kids, we have our, our teens, we have young adults here, we have those who are single in our body, those who aren't, we have those who are parents in our body, those who aren't, we have those who are older in the faith, we have widows, we have orphans, we have those who speak another language and another culture, and we know this, to love Jesus Christ is to be multicultural, right, because we're loving others that are different than us and others that will come into here, and others in our community. So how do we do this? How do we do this? How do we, how do we make disciples, right? We go back to Romans. We take our life. We offer it to God. We focus our attention not on this world, but on God. We find our meaning as a part of this body, our function. We find our, our way of serving. And then we love and we honor others above ourselves. Right? We, in regard to the last one there, we, we just desire this. We, we set up our life to make this happen. We don't count on a program at a, at a church that is, is going to make a follower, right? That they go to a, that if someone goes to a class, they're just going to automatically become a follower of Jesus, right? We invest our, our lives in this. That's part of our responsibility as the body of Christ. It's part of our privilege to, to actually help another person to come to know Jesus and to learn how to grow in him. Because we, what, what this is for us, we want this for others as well, right? We want others to learn how to take their life and present it to God, right? We want others to learn how to be connected and to serve. We want others to learn to value others above themselves. It's a process, right? So I'm going to break this down a little bit, all right? Let's talk about connecting, serving, and giving. First of all, as far as being connected, right? We should be connected. That's low bar stuff. We should be connected. We want to raise the bar. And so the next step is for us to desire and to see other people be connected here. You think about the early church. They had to do this, right? 
Because when Gentiles, when non-Jews were brought in, right, the, those who were Jews who became believers, they had to turn their hearts towards others. They had to learn. The gospel called them to do this. What Jesus had done for them called them to do this. And it calls us too. So practically, how do we do that? How do we help others be connected with God and with each other? It's more simple than you think. We, we share life. We move towards other people. We invite them in to what we're doing. We pursue them, right? I think about one of our groups, the Lescano group, right? The women start walking in the neighborhood, right? They invite other people in. It starts simple. It starts with a meal. It starts with having people over. It starts with maybe getting your, you got kids, parents, getting your kids together and just being together. And in that environment, learning how to pursue one another. Now, let's talk about our small groups, right? I'm in a small group family. Um, I'm hoping you are too. I'm hoping everyone is connected here. But if I'm in a small group family, I'm actually looking now, okay? Because people come into this, this place all the time on Sunday and into our lives, and there's opportunity, right, for us to, to move towards them. So I want others in a small group family I want them to experience what it means to belong and to be a part with, with someone else in moving towards God together. So I'm looking outside rather than just inside. Why? Because I care about them. I care about them growing and knowing Jesus and learning how to be a disciple of his and watching that beautiful transformation take place in their lives. I don't want them to experience that alone. I want to help them. I want to help them grow. So we, we raise the bar and we ask this question, do we long for people to be connected with God and with others in community, to find a family, to find a place to belong? So who are we talking about? Who do we want to draw in around here? We talk about our kids, our teens, young adults, right? Those who are single, those who aren't, those who are parents, those who aren't, widows, orphans, those who speak another language. And it goes beyond to our neighbors then and our coworkers. Jesus wants us to be disciples who make disciples, right? Let's talk about our kids for a minute. I don't know if you know this, but our kids right now are, they're in kids' life. And what happens there has been happening for a long time. It's a, it's a purposeful thing to get them to connect with God. And not only that, but to be connected with other people, to actually have a small family where they belong. That's what's being cultivated over there. And there are young adults in our body today and those who have left that because we've been around 26 years now. That's a long time. There are young adults who are forever changed because they have learned what it looks like to belong and to share life with others, right? And that's a beautiful thing. Don't you want to be a part of that process of helping kids and helping those who don't belong to find a home in Jesus Christ and to be connected with other people. It's a beautiful thing. We should just desire that. So how are we, how are we helping others to connect? If this seems daunting, it's, it's not. It's actually really simple if, and this is the big if here, if this is a team effort. If this is a church-wide team, everybody's on board, rowing the same direction toward this, right? And it needs to be. Uh, and it really starts, if you want to make it simple, we start, even as we gather here, right, 
It starts how we, how we welcome, how we welcome people, right? Romans 15, 7 says, therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. I'm going to talk to Josh for a second because Josh, hey, Josh. How you doing, Dan? <laughs> good, good, good. Um, Josh has a passion to welcome people. I mean, it's, it's contagious to be around him and to hear him talk about it. Um, he wants to see people who come through our doors be welcomed. So I'm going to ask you, we're going to talk a little bit, but what, what, drives, what drives that passion to see other people be welcomed? I think part of it is personal. And what I mean by that is I remember and I know what it feels like when you're brand new. And just a couple years ago, it, it was, we had been at a church for years and years, and then it was time for us to look for another church. And I don't know if you've done that recently. It's not the easiest thing to do. When you go into a new group, into a new environment, and you're the new person there, um, it's, it's, it's not that easy. And so when somebody goes out of their way to make you feel welcome, it makes a huge impact. So personally, that's in my mind of how I felt how I want to be welcomed, and I imagine that's how you want to be welcomed as well. But as Christians, I think it goes even further, that there are neighbors, there are coworkers, there are relatives that you have been praying for, people that you have been talking to and connecting with, and we don't realize on any given Sunday, is this the day that my friend, that my loved one, this is their first Sunday back to church? Is this the first time in a long time? And when they come on that day, are we ready for them? Are we going to say hello? Are we going to go out of our way to stop a conversation maybe with somebody we already know and let them know, hey, I see you and I'm glad that you're here. And I don't know your name. My name is Josh. Your name is something so brief that can have such a big impact in people's lives. Yeah, that's, that's so true. Um, yeah, welcoming, welcoming people and you know, we have all had it, right? We may have invited somebody in to the church, and we're thinking, oh, man, please, Dan, don't screw this up today, <laughs> right? <laughs> Brett, don't screw this up. Welcome, team, don't screw this up. So we, we really want to see everybody welcomed. So, and let me speak yeah. to that, Dan. Um, we have, uh, do you like this church? Do you love this church? Um, if you do, it should be easy to invite our neighbors and our coworkers and our friends because we know on every Sunday, we have a great teaching team. So no matter who is up, we know they're going to be bringing God's word. That we know on any given Sunday that the worship team, Brett and all those that are with the team, that they have prepared and that they have practiced. There are people who have set up for the building. There are people that are going to be greeting. So everyone is going to be doing their part. So there is, we have no excuse to hold back and invite people in because we know this is a good church. This is a really good church with, with a great children's ministry. You name it. And so it, it, there should be no hesitation for us to say a, a word to that person that is in our life. Why don't you come with me this Sunday? And, and we're praying for them. That is today going to be that day. That's great. It is a team effort, right? Because yeah. I think the mentality can be, oh, we've got a welcome team. Let them do it. Let them go, right? What do we need to do? Yeah, when we think that this is the welcome team's job, then we are leaving a lot in the hands of a few people. And I think the mentality that we need to have is we are all the welcome team. So, yes, there is a welcome team. There's somebody that's going to be greeting them at the door. 
Maybe there's going to be somebody else that's going to greet them in the lobby. But if somebody is new, and maybe if you're new today, you're thought, oh, somebody going to be talking to me. Well, I hope somebody says hello to you. I hope before you walk out this door that not just one person, but multiple people smiled at you. They said hello. Maybe they introduced themselves. And if there's somebody nearby you, it shouldn't be the responsibility of one person at the door or somebody with the gift of hospitality. If we are all the hospitality team, that means for me, there's somebody who's nearby me. Maybe it's my responsibility to go say hello. And it's your responsibility. And when we do that all together, I think that's amazing. That's right, because that command from Paul was not just for the welcome team, right? Yeah, it was for all for of everybody. us to welcome one another as Christ has welcomed us. That's a powerful, powerful verse there. But um, So coach us. If we are all, right, if we're all to be involved in this, we're all the hospitality team, how do we get better? How do we get better at, at welcoming? And what's kind of, how do we view our responsibilities? Yeah. I would say this. It, it really matters what we do first. And when we come together on a Sunday, there's, there might be a lot of people that you already know. Maybe it's people that you've already met here at the church. Maybe there's people you already know from your small group. And our tendency is to go with the people that we already know, to reconnect with somebody that we probably have already seen in the last week or so. But what we do first, maybe what we do in the first five minutes, especially at the end of the service, um, our visitors and guests, they might be one of the first people out the door. And if you take three or five minutes and talk to the person you already know, when you look up, they're gone. And so what I would ask everybody is one of the first things you do is look around. Is there somebody that, that's new that you don't know at all? Just say hello. Introduce yourself. Maybe there's somebody you don't know very well, and they've been at the church for a long time, but still, it's not, uh, you don't know them as good as some other people. I think if we take a moment and say hello, it's those little things that go a long way. You don't need a 20, 30-minute conversation. We don't have to go through all the history of the church and, and what we believe. And I, Dan and Monica, both of you know, uh, when Kelly and I first got to the church, I had a lot of questions for you guys. You guys remember that? I had a lot of questions, but I didn't give them all on week one and day one. It was the small hello, this is who I am. I got to know them. I got to know others. And it was kind of that follow-up of, Dan, do you mind if I ask you a couple questions? And it turned out to be a lot of questions. And <laughs> I said the same thing to Good Monica. Questions. But it was little things going a long way. It's a smile. It's going out of your way to say hello. If you don't know Spanish, I think we all know a few Spanish words, and we're learning even more. Hola. We could start there. And if you don't know very much, you can walk them over to somebody who knows more English or knows more Spanish. It's a team effort. But I think if we go first and intentional mm -hmm. to the people we don't know and our guests, it's going to go a long way. That's great. Did you hear what he said? Sometimes we have to leave behind the conversations we're in with people yeah. we know, and to say, hold on a second, I see somebody new, I want to go say hi real quick. And we can't be offended when someone leaves the conversation to go welcome someone else, right? And to, uh, to jump on what you said too, we don't need to 
speak a lot, right? Right. I will tell you, who does the first five best in my life is this guy right here, right? <laughs> I get home, the first five minutes when I'm home, he doesn't say a word, right? But I am welcomed with the tail and everything else. Now, don't wag your tail. That's kind of weird. But it's simple to welcome people with even your body language. Yeah. Um, let me go back to that first five because we're going to put this up at the end of the service every so often. And whenever you see this, it's going to be a reminder, hopefully to you, that what happens at the end of the service is important, and it's important It's part of people knowing Jesus for you to simply welcome people. All right. So I'll just ask you real quick, very quickly, what if a visitor doesn't want to be welcomed? Right? Because we're all thinking that, right? Oh, they just, uh, I don't want to bother them. I don't want to annoy them, right? I think a visitor does not want to be overwhelmed, but they want to be seen. So I would rather err on the side of five people saw them, five people said hello or did something short, rather than they went home and said, nobody saw me. I'm not coming back again. I'd rather err on that side. That's great. Yeah. Thanks, Josh. All right, so let's, let's jump on. I have to go past Eddie again. Sorry. Going back. Um, so let's talk about serving because we, we should all be serving. We talked about connecting. Now we talk about serving. We should all be serving. We should all be serving God. We should be serving one another, right? That's a low bar. As we read in Romans 12, what we read before, each of us finds our meaning and our function as a part of the body, right? Hebrews 10 tells us let's consider how we can spur each other on towards love and good deeds. So, so, are we desiring to help other people along in their faith journey to learn how to serve and to learn how to serve God, to learn how to serve each other? So, Monica, you've got a heart for this, for serving, so I'm going to talk to you for a little bit. Um, from time to time, you have something called intro to serving where we connect people around here, right? So I'm going to ask you this question. In an ideal world, right, how are people learning and beginning to serve the body of Christ around here? In an ideal world, I wouldn't even have to offer intro to serving. And here's why. Intro to serving is when people come and they say, hey, help me discover my gifts and help me figure out how to use that around here, which I love to do. And I love to say to people, try something and we'll see if it's a good fit. But what I think is even better than that is when all of us see something in someone and go, ooh, you know where they'd be really great. Or I want to invite them into this space. And... Um, affirm people along the way. And so, you know, I think about different ways around here people can do that. Um, one of my first memories is when I was a young parent and I had a two-year-old in the infant toddler room. Um, Chip and Annie Wyant have served in there, I think, for 20 years. And so um, a lot of you in here right now were maybe in there when you were babies, you don't remember that. When I was a young mom and I had a little bit of a rambunctious two-year-old, they said to me, you know what, that one's going to be a natural leader. And that was encouragement to my soul. You know, because what I saw was someone who could not listen, but what they saw was someone who said, hey, I've got, a, I've got some leadership qualities. And so what I think has been neat is how this church has cultivated that and invited that person, you know, my kid, to go, hey, come serve here, come serve here. Um, it's really neat to go, hey, my child was given an opportunity to serve in children's ministry and by the time she graduated from high school and is now off in college, is a trained small group leader, right? Like, that's amazing. Um, I see Chris Sarnoski do this. You know, a lot of times our cleaning team does not have enough people. 
And so she'll say to someone kind of new, she's like, Monica, who's new and is asking how to serve? And I'll give her like, here's a few people. She'll call them. And she's like, hey, you want to come clean the church with me on Friday night? Most people think, no, not really. But they'll come, right? And they get to hang out with Chris Arnosky, and they get to go, I actually didn't realize this is the only thing in my life that there is a checklist, and I feel really good when it's done. And I can say, wow, did that. You know, I've heard people say, I didn't know the cleaning team was a prayer ministry. You know, I go in, and I'm cleaning off tables, and suddenly I see the verse the kids are going to learn, and I'm cleaning, and I'm praying for the main idea for the week. And you start to discover, I didn't even know I had a gift or desire to serve in that area. And I go, I can't connect people to all those spaces, but you guys can. And so if you're serving somewhere, I go look for people. Praise them for something you see in them and say, come along with me. Because that really is discipleship. Yeah, I mean, we're learning, right, as we serve. That's the thing. A lot of times with our, with our gifts, right, we think about our spiritual gifts. We're like, oh, we got to have this all figured out. But you learn as you serve. Parents, you know this, right? Here's a picture of my son. Um, he wanted a little vacuum cleaner when he was little, right? He wanted to vacuum like mom and dad, right? And we clearly learned that that was not his gift as we... But he tried it, and he got involved. And in a similar way, right, we, we try things around here, and sometimes they work out, and sometimes they don't. But why is it important to, to regularly serve? What is it about serving that's important? Well, you know, I, I just said, like, serving um, is a part of our discipleship. And so um, sometimes I see, like, my kids are in school, and they are given a list of, this is how many hours you need to complete in order to graduate or fill the quota for this particular club. And they write down their service hours, and they go, great, been there, done that. Um, that's lovely. I'm glad our, our schools encourage serving, but that is not the same as developing a servant's heart. And so I think when we're in the body of Christ and we start serving, it becomes a muscle that we just keep developing. You know, for those of you who have children, you might go, I have to tell them every morning, did you brush your teeth? Right? And you have to remind them over and over again. I would hope as adults, we get to the place in life where we go, I need to brush my teeth because I know I need to brush my teeth. It becomes such a habit, right? So that's how serving it is a muscle we keep stretching and growing and growing. And when we're really serving, we're becoming more like Jesus because Jesus is a servant and he is the greatest servant this world has ever seen or will ever seen. And so when we view serving as it's making me more like Jesus, I want to keep getting better at it. Um, that's why it's important. Yeah, similar to what Paul said in that Philippians passage, and in humility, right? In humility, we honor others above ourselves. Part of serving is we humble ourselves, right, to serve other people. And it's, it's really important, as Monica said. All right, so coach us here. We're going to dream big. How do we get better at, at, how do we get better, not just us serving, but how do we get better at helping other people to, to learn to serve and to grow in, in that? You know, I think it's um, kind of what Josh touched on, just it is not on one person. We are going to make mistakes along the way as we serve, but it's we're in it together kind of mentality. Um, one of the ways I really have appreciated um, helping people learn to serve is just giving, again, spaces to come along and serve. Um, you know, I'm on the Next Gen team too, so I'm just going to talk more Next Gen because it's just a passion of mine. And so. Um, I'm going to pick on Bailey here. She's in the second row here. Bailey just started serving as a small group leader in um, our elementary kids. She's a freshman in high school. 
But when she started serving in ministry around here, she started by holding babies. And some of you here, like the Wyants, um, have served in holding babies for the last 20 years, and that's your passion, and that's great. There's some people who go, I kind of don't know what I want to do, but I can hold a baby because, you know, I'm a teenager, and I, I can do that. And then what I saw what Bailey did was she came, and she came into the preschool ministry. And adults came alongside her and said, hey, we trust you to lead an activity. And um, we trust you to, to keep playing with these kids and seeing their needs. But then what's happened in our elementary active, um, space, which I'm being honest, prior to the pandemic, we had two people serving per small group leading. And oftentimes one of that per, those people were a teenager. And they were learning under someone who had a lot of experience leading a small group. And they could co-lead, right? And if you have a kid who's a little distracted, you, you look at your co-leader and you go, hey, can, can you sit with that little buddy? Well, right now, Bailey is serving a small group leader. She does not have a co-lead because we don't have that space. And in my dream world, I go, we've got two people in each area, and we're training each other, and we're co-leading, just like we do with our adult cell groups. And if somebody says, well, I can't lead a group, I go, that's okay. Because you know what? Bailey has years of training, and she's going to co-lead with you. It doesn't matter that Bailey's only 15. We can learn from multi-generationals around here. You know, everybody can learn from everyone. Like, don't let your age constrain you into thinking, I can't do that. Because it's not about your age. It's about how God has already cultivated you. That's great. That's great. So you can build up this body by looking around. If you're on a team right now, right, you can, you can look around uh, as you interact with other people in this body, affirm things that you see in them. Right? If you see somebody who's got a gift of encouragement, you affirm that. If they got the gift of hospitality, you say, you know what? You might have the gift of hospitality. Uh, as we do that and as we invite people into even areas we're serving in or other areas where we've, we feel like they may, they may be a good fit, we're helping each other to grow uh, and to serve one another. I think of people in our body like Rachel Bidwell, right? She's on the, on the uh, singing team here too, but she also... Uh, loves Honduras, and she's just invested so deeply in Honduras. Even yesterday, I saw her invite someone else in to go on a trip, right? She, she pursued them because she, she cares. She wants to invite other people in to, to draw them. I think about uh, uh, John and Krista Castle, who, who uh, are part of, of a group of older people, not old, right? Let me clarify that. Older people, several of us who, who have just found a lot of value in investing in the younger generation. The younger generation is hungry. I'm just going to say it. If you're older, if you're, you're more mature along in the faith, um, you're, you're not done. You have so much to offer. The world says, right, and this goes back to Romans, the world says, yeah, it's time for you to, to, to unplug and to check out. No, no, no. The Bible turns it upside down, says, no, the older teaches the younger. There is so much value in you passing that on. And we have several here who found that, um, just the joy in serving others. Think about Linda Yuli getting involved with, with our teenagers. I think about Andres, who's, who's um, got a teaching gift, right? He, and he taught in our youth group recently. He says, I'll use that wherever. I will teach wherever you want me to teach. He's just so open-handed with his gift. We have so much of it already happening around here. But how do we have an eye on others to help them emerge as well. All right, thank you guys for jumping in and for sharing with us. I'm going to invite Alan up at this time. Um, and if you don't know Alan, as he comes up, um, Alan is uh, Alan Sowers is the director, the head. What's your title, Alan? 
<laughs> of CEO, okay, okay. I think this is on. No, I'll turn it back on here. Um, of Sours for Pastors. He's going to kind of share with us in a little bit, kind of give us an overview of their ministry and talk about um, in conjunction with what we're talking about today, right? Because our heart to see others be disciples who make disciples extends to other people in this world, right? We don't just look around here. There's others. And in Honduras, we've developed a partnership with Honduras. We love you guys. I'm so thankful for what you do. I'm going to turn it over to you. You talk about how you're making disciples, how your indigenous pastors are making disciples as well, and a little bit more about your ministry. So, uh, Good morning. Uh, first of all, uh, just thank you so much for being a part of our ministry. I just want to start there. Uh, if I could have the first picture. Uh, yep. Um, so a uh, few years ago, uh, the last two years or so, uh, God has been laying something on my heart that is very similar to this. If the greatest commandment is Thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. And the second is like it, thou shalt love your neighbor. Uh, something that I shared with a, a church last year, actually, uh, is that, you know, if that is the greatest commandment and then the second greatest commandment, I'm just, I'm a business major, a systems analysis guy. I'm not a pastor uh, like Dan. Uh, I'm not a preacher. Uh, but uh, um, I just feel like uh, the logical next step is we want to share that God with our neighbor. We want our God to be our neighbor's God, right? If that's the greatest commandment for us, then it now becomes the greatest commandment for him. And so as we are advancing down in Honduras, and we're just going to say hello from Honduras, and this is our uh, indigenous staff down there, and that's what we're trying to promote, the idea that we are sharing uh, the gospel uh, down there. We are trying to uh, not just uh, do humanitarian things. It's great to do humanitarian things. Uh, it's wonderful. You, you guys had a, I mean, terribly had a fire, but it's wonderful that this church loaned you this, this facility, and this is just incredible. Um, uh, next slide, please. Uh, we've already touched on that this morning. Uh, Pastor Dan already actually talked about the Great Commission. Uh, next slide, please. So our mission is empowering Honduran pastors and missionaries to reach the lost and make disciples in remote mountain villages of western Honduras. And like I said, I'm not a pastor, I'm not a preacher, and there I am uh, down in Honduras. And, and this is, you know, what I feel God has called me to do is empower those Honduran pastors who don't have a lot of stuff. Uh, next picture, please. Uh, we've just found that uh, this is a very effective uh, high impact. Uh, you know, you have the North Americans that come down to Honduras and they want to plant a church. Uh, if from our way of thinking, you know, it's a lot more effective to get behind the indigenous pastor, encourage him. Uh, you know, if Pastor Dan uh, had come over from, you know, uh, China and really spoke with a really funny accent or, you know, I don't want to pick on China, but, you know, some other place, uh, somewhere in Asia, maybe he spoke Malaysian, and you're sitting there and you're, every time you're talking to him, you're going, I'm sorry, I, I really don't catch what he's saying. I don't understand his sermon. What, what was the pastor trying? It wouldn't be long until you all left uh, this church. And I feel like as North Americans, we come in and we have this vision of, oh, we're going to do it the North American way. Uh, next picture, please. Uh, so we have this, this feeling of, you know, why is it that we want to uh, work with the local pastors? Well, next picture, please. 
The local pastor lives in the culture. He's from that culture. He grew up in that culture. You know, he is one of them. Uh, next picture, please. Local pastor often already knows the people he serves. Many of our pastors work in the community that they're from. They have returned back. Some of our pastors are what I would call uh, missionaries, but they're missionaries just down the road, you know, 10, 20, 30 miles, but they're not, you know, from that community per se. So, you know, and it's kind of like whenever uh, you think about going out and being on mission and you leave the church and you're on mission, you're leaving out, out of here to, to share the gospel. And I hope that's your desire, your hope. Uh, next picture, please. Local pastor is already on the ground. You know, look at, look at the cost. It costs to send a North American missionary down to Honduras. It's just mind-boggling to me. Uh, you know, there's 2,000 villages. It's estimated there's 2,000 villages in just our section of Honduras that do not have a Bible-based church. And that may not sound like a, a, a big deal to you because you have cars and all that, but whenever people don't have vehicles and they can't, you know, go even five miles down the road readily, uh, it's such a hard thing for them to do, then you really need a local church in that community to serve that community. Um, I'm sorry, you jumped ahead of me there. Uh, uh, we, we don't discourage uh, foreign missionaries. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not saying, you know, we're against them. We work alongside of other foreign missionaries who have this vision of planting a church. But we really encourage the indigenous pastor uh, to plan our church. Uh, you know, we have a, it's a reason why we're called uh, sowers for pastors, or let's just play it right and say sowers for pastors. Uh, you know, uh, let's, let's call it like we want to call it. Um, next picture, please. Okay, so what projects are we involved with? Um, first, first one. Uh, next picture, please. Pastor transportation. This is huge. Pastor gets up in the morning, early in the morning, and... Um, He's sitting there, and he goes out, and he works. Most of our pastors are, are bivocational. Uh, I, in other words, they have another job, and usually it's working in the farm field. And uh, most of our pastors make about $1,200, $1,400 a year uh, picking coffee, and then the rest of their uh, uh, basically support comes from the fact that they grow their own garden. They have their own food. Uh, and so that's how they support themselves. And so... We come alongside a pastor, and we help him get a motorcycle, okay? So here's a pastor who was getting up in the morning at 5 o'clock, going out, working in his garden all day long, and uh, here he is, he's, he's, he's plugging along, and then he comes in, and he eats lunch at about 2 o'clock or so. He, he lays down, takes a siesta, and then he has this vision in his, his uh, mind, in his heart, to go and share the gospel to the community five miles away. Can you imagine walking five miles down there to share the gospel after working all day in a farm and then coming and after you've spent that time sharing the gospel, coming back and saying, um, you know, okay, I'm going to walk back home five more miles. Okay, so that afternoon you, you walked 10 miles. Now we come alongside that pastor. We don't give him the motorcycle. We help him buy that motorcycle. Uh, but we... We want to empower him to have that opportunity to go and uh, share the gospel five miles away, ten miles away, 
And, you know, whenever you talk to pastors all the time in Honduras, they're always talking about, oh, well, they, you know, typically have a home church, but then they typically have uh, Campo Blanco, okay, uh, white fields, okay? And they're always talking about their uh, white fields. And their white fields are churches that they have a vision for, that they want to share the gospel with. They're, they're, they're a community down the road that they want to uh, share down there. And so, um, next picture, please. So, we've done a couple motorcycles, a couple horses, actually 420 motorcycles. And it cost about $1,000, our share. Uh, it cost the pastor about $1,000. We want, we want him to have skin in the game, sweat equity. You know what happens whenever you... Uh, give somebody a um, a gift and and you know it's just you know here it is it's free and there's no strings attached and they're not as likely to take care of it uh, but no whenever that uh, pastor is invested in it it also makes us know for sure that that pastor has the resources has the capacity to uh, put fuel in that motorcycle to maintain it you know he's got to he's got to put tires on it he's got to change the chain or whatever. Um, we've done 70 horses. Uh, next picture, please. Pastor's training school. It's huge. Can you imagine if uh, your pastor showed up and he had absolutely no training? He had a love for God. He had a good heart. Love for God, a desire to share the gospel, but he had absolutely no training. And so one of the things that we really see ourselves doing is empowering these pastors through training them through, through um, uh, you know, helping them be better equipped um, at sharing the gospel, having them, helping them prepare a sermon, you know. I mean, can you imagine if Pastor Dan sounded, sounded like me? Okay. Uh, <laughs> you sound pretty good. <laughs> Next picture, please. So we, we partner with uh, another ministry, uh, Seeds of Salvation. It's a three-year training program. It's a real simple program. It's designed for undereducated pastors. For one thing, all of our pastors, for the most part, are undereducated. And the, communi- the, the people they're talking to are, are, are less educated. And so we want to we see them uh, uh, be able to have that uh, impact there at that uh, uh, pastor's trade school. We want to see them uh, be able to jump in and, and be trained really uh, easily. Uh, next picture, please. Church construction. So we get the knock on the door, and somebody says, uh, excuse me, Alan, can you, can you help us build a, uh, a church? Um, so, so how many people do you have attending? And they say, oh, no, I want to build the church, and then I, I, I hope the people come. It's like, well, no, no, we, we're, we, we'd rather do it a different way. We'd love to see you have a Bible study, a home uh, church that's going, and it gets so big, so overwhelming, that you can't find a home in town to meet in, and now you uh, build this church up, and oh, we'll help you put on the roof. R O O F. Sorry, in case you can't understand my accent, uh, you, we'll help you put on the roof of that building. And so that's what we do. We don't we don't uh, put up the walls. We don't help them buy the land. The land has to be in their name, in the church's name. Uh, next picture, please. So we've helped uh, 220 uh, congregations to date. The average cost per church. For us to help them put on a roof, it's about twelve hundred dollars. Um, it's been rising a little bit as of inflation. You, you guys don't have any inflation up here, but 
uh, as inflation comes along. <laughs> so, um, but he, with them putting up the walls and, and having that skin in the game again, uh, they have a sense of ownership. It's not our church. It's their church. So, you know, that, that's, a, that's a big focus of our ministries. Uh, next picture, please. Bible Bookstore. Spanish books are expensive. I do not know why that is. It's worldwide phenomena. It's extra uh, uh, serious in Honduras. Uh, uh, we have, uh, uh, you know, it's just crazy prices. But we buy Bibles wholesale. And I mean wholesale, we buy like a pallet at a time of Bibles. And then we're able to pass that savings on to the pastor. Uh, we have distributed about 60,000 uh, materials. The lion's share of those are Bibles. Uh, but we also do commentaries and, and concordances and, and other uh, Bible studies. Uh, whenever we arrived in Gracias, we found that most of the pastors only had a, what I'd call a, like a plain Jane. Sorry if your name's Jane. Uh, plain Jane Bible, uh, but, you know, a basic Bible. And, and so having that commentary helps that pastor that much better. Be uh, Next picture, please. Malnutrition. Uh, malnutrition is huge in, in Honduras. And it's not a lack of food, it is a lack of nutrition. For the most part, people do have food to some sense. Uh, they grow their own food, but uh, mostly what they grow is uh, beans and, and uh, you know, they make uh, corn tortillas. That's their food. And then they buy some rice. And maybe if they're fortunate, they have some chicken. And maybe from the coffee money, they're able to buy a little bit of stuff to add to it. And then whatever fruit or vegetables in season at that moment, that's what they eat. Uh, but we help uh, pastors. But you know what is really exciting to us is that we get a chance to feed those kids both physically and spiritually. I want to emphasize that last part. We get a chance to feed them spiritually, or not me, those pastors, indigenous pastors we partner with, gets, get a chance to feed them. Next picture, please. Sponsorship program, I think you know a little bit about the sponsorship program. If you don't, I think, I don't know. Maybe you haven't been paying attention. I, I don't know. I'm pretty sure that, that we've heard about the sponsorship program. It is an exciting program to us. Uh, it's exciting in all kinds of ways. It's just uh, uh, the feeding program on steroids or the next level up or whatever you want to say. It's to a whole new level uh, because... You know, not only do you get to feed the kids, you get to help them go to school. Uh, we get to uh, encourage those kids to stay in school. The pastor uh, uh, gets to tie into them even more. Um, you know, we do a lot more uh, Sunday school materials with those uh, sponsorship programs. Uh, we build a relationship with a U.S. church. That might be you all, um, you know, or Lighthouse. Uh, but we, we build that relationship uh, with those ch uh, churches. And, and we get people to tie in, and, and they get to know that kid. And, you know, one thing I'd want to say is, you know, if you can't think of anything else to do for that kid, pray for him. And let him know you're praying for him. It has so much impact on those kids, knowing that somebody up in North America, which they kind of idolize, you know, but up here in, in the U.S. is praying for them. That's so huge. It's just so big. Uh, next picture, please. So there's the benefits, like I said, uh, weekly Bible lessons, opportunity to, to write to them. And people always tell me that I don't know what to write. Right? 
I'm thinking about you. I care about you. I care how your life is going. Next picture, please. Gives us a chance to empower those, not just those pastors now, but now it's Sunday school teachers. Now it's it's public school teachers. We're still allowed in the public schools down there. Still, I don't know how long that will last, but because uh, there is a push to push us out, but we're allowed to go into the public schools still and share the gospel right in the public schools. And so we get a chance to actually teach public school teachers how to share the gospel. And that's just exciting. Next picture, please. Next picture, please. And finally, short-term teams. I just want to encourage you, if you haven't been on a short-term team, if you haven't been down there, um, I really want to encourage you to come down. Uh, Rachel, Rachel is the one you want to talk to. I think she's a, she's a you know, get it done. Uh, JR, uh, you know, wants to take you down on a team. Uh, we are just so excited about that. We are so excited about people coming down and, and seeing their kids doing a home visit. You get to go right into the home. We'll send you with the translator and, and so you don't have to speak Spanish. Um, and we'll get you right in your, their house, and you can sit there and visit with your family that you're sponsoring. Uh, you get a chance to either share VBS or hand out the backpacks. Backpacks is like just unbelievable. That's like Christmas for those kids. Um, so uh, there's, there's um, profiles back there in the back. Anybody who isn't sponsoring a kid, just love to promote that. And, and uh, I'm going to turn it over here to Pastor Dan. Any, anything I didn't cover? No, you covered a lot. How can we pray for you in this season with Sours for Pastors? We love prayer. I mean, you know, we always talk about uh, the financial giving, and, of course, that's, that's important, but you know what's better is, is prayer. And uh, we, we would just pray that uh, with all the uh, ongoing uh, movement right now, there's a lot of uh, um, unsettledness that's going on. Uh, some of you who sponsor kids may have noticed that some of your kids dropped out. It may be that somebody came to the U.S., and, and is up here in the U.S. now, and so then somebody has, has uh, moved around, they're staying with their grandparents or something like that. Uh, pray for the pastors. Uh, they have been incredibly, incredibly uh, discouraged with COVID first, and we went, you know, all the things you went through in COVID, we, we did it, but as a third world country or as an undeveloped country, you know, a third world um, as an undeveloped country, uh, and so we had that much extra on it. And a lot of pastors, you know, who had, especially ones who had not developed disciples, didn't have a good base, didn't have a good uh, um, backing behind them, were, you know, what I want to call one-man show, uh, became discouraged because they're trying to do everything themselves, you know, because they're, they're not pulling people in who, you know, they want to run the thing by themselves. So... Uh, we just ask that you pray for those pastors, and then just, um, you know, with the, with the uh, inflation uh, and with the fact that we have brought on a lot of indigenous missionaries onto our staff, uh, there is that increased uh, cost. Uh, they, don't, they don't have the capacity to really raise support up here in the United States, and, and so we're taking that responsibility on, and uh, so we just ask for, uh, that we'd be able to make sure that we have the funds to keep them 
on board. They're doing a bang-up job. We brought in a, a uh, couple who was in, smart, in charge of uh, small groups uh, at a church very similar to yours, except it's a very big church, about 4,000 people. And uh, they were in charge of 500 people. They had 20 small groups they were in charge of, and they've come on board as missionaries with us. We have another young man who is uh, actually finishing up his master's in an extension class, uh, his master's in theology. It's just crazy. We have that kind of staff now on board uh, for our ministry. I'm not a pastor. But as I've known you for a long time now, you are always available and, and, you know, I talked about older, right? Not old, older, right? But it's just a fact, Alan, you lived your life uh, that way. You, you open yourself up to how God's going to use you. And we're so blessed. Now it's been, it's been a long time we've been partnering with you now. And uh, we're just blessed to be able to do that. So thank you. We're going to pray for you in a second. But thanks for coming up. And I'm going to finish things up here. And then we'll, uh, we'll pray for you as well. So um, we talked about serving, right? We talked about connecting. Let's talk real quick about the third thing, which is about um, giving. Um, disciples of Jesus, followers of Jesus, they, they give. They give generously. That's the low bar, okay? That's the low bar. Um, we view our resources as gods. We look for ways to build the kingdom, uh, to build the body of Christ. And so now what does it look like to raise the bar there? What does it mean for us to to help others to have a generous heart and a generous spirit when it comes to their, to their finances, right? Um, and this is done, again, as the others are in the context of relationship. As we are generous, as we see the fruit of being generous, as we share, not to bring glory to ourselves, but to God, we encourage each other to be generous, right? Proverbs 11.25 says, a generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be Refreshed. There is something refreshing about being generous with what God has given us and giving it back to him. So I want to just challenge us, right? Parents, um, we think about this at home. I will tell you, my parents did it with me. This is a shelf at our house that used to hold the jars where we would save money to give to God and his, his purposes in building his kingdom. I hope that you have... Um, that you are passing that on to your kids, that the resources that you have, that God has given those to you, they are his to be entrusted and to be used for his kingdom and for growing, and you're, you're helping your kids understand what that looks like too. Um, this is for all, uh, everyone in our body. We want to see this aspect of being a disciple lived out as well. Um, and just I'm, just imagine with me what it, what it looks like for someone to 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 be changed in this way, to go from being what our world is often is just, just holding our resource to, to ourselves to actually being moved by God's spirit because that's the power of the gospel. It's not us to open our hands and just to say, God, how can I use this? What do I need to live on? And then how can I use this to, to bring glory uh, to you? So, um, so this, this kind of means a rethinking of our giving it's, it's not just individual, all right? And we're a part of a connected body of Christ. And when you become a follower of Jesus, you're connected to others. As we read in Romans 12, each part gets its meaning and its function from the body as a whole. So we are connected to each other in our giving. This is a team effort. All of us, we give our resources to see his kingdom grow. 
your giving, it's not for me, it's not for Honduras, it's not for our staff, it's not for the building, it's for the expansion of God's kingdom here on earth, and it is an act of worship. And we want that for ourselves, and we want that for others as, as well. So in an ideal world, we are, are generously uh, giving and learning to give our resources to God. So to kind of wrap this up today, um, we just, we long for everyone here to be connected, to be serving, to be giving, but we long to raise the bar and to, to, to see all of us engage in helping other people to become disciples. And lives, our lives are being changed around here as we, as we do this, as we share life, as we talk about these things with each other. I think about some people in our church. Um, Monica mentioned Chris earlier. I think about Sean Lobb, right, who led communion a couple of weeks ago, did a fantastic job, right? I think of Jenny Lobb, who is who's serving with the food pantry. Over the years that they've been in our church, and it's been several years now, I've just seen the growth in their life in, in these areas of being connected and serving and giving. Um, that's what we want, not just for Jenny and Sean, we want it for every person here to see us grow to be the people that God made us to be in him. He's the head of our church. And how do we do this? It's very simple. We go back to Romans 12. We cultivate a life that is offered to God and a life that sees itself connected and honors others above ourselves. So as we prepare for 27, year 27, right, at LCC here, who are we to be? Who are we to be? You got a piece of paper when you came in. It probably had some announcements on it, I think. If not, um, you can take, take that out or just have another piece of paper. And this week, this is the challenge this week because we're out of time today. Um, the challenge is to, to ask yourself, with God's, listen to God on this and say, what's, God, what's one thing you want me to do? What's one thing you want me to learn from this today about connecting, about serving, and about giving? So I'm going to invite the band up, and you can think about that as they come up, and I'm going to pray and pray for Alan. You want to come up, and I'll pray for you as well. And Let's pray. God, for those of us who know you, it came about because of investment in our lives. Somebody invested in us. Somebody helped us along. Probably many people. Many people were involved teaching us how to, to, to connect with you, how to connect with each other, how to serve, how to give. And God, we want this place to be an outpost where people in this community, in our community and beyond, learn how to become disciples who then go on to make other disciples. God, I thank you that Alan could be here with us today, and I thank you for uh, the ministry that, that he operates, ours for pastors, and for all the many things that he's involved in as he's made himself available and listened to you and added all these programs that are so meaningful, God. And um, there's challenges always uh, right now. There's challenges with inflation. There's challenges with... with um, you know, resourcing staff and making sure that they have what they need. And there's just the ongoing challenge of these people that we love there who we want to see know you uh, just face incredible odds in their lives um, to learn about the gospel and to grow in the gospel. Today, God, I know we can, we can make an impact. Um, we pray for Alan for strength. We pray for Trish, uh, for both of them as, as they head things up. God, would you empower them? To, uh, and provide for them. Uh, you've been faithful. You are a provider. 
And we pray you continue to be faithful, God, through our through us helping and through other churches across this country and around the world who are helping them bring the gospel to the mountains of western Honduras. God, we love you. Jesus, you are the head of this church. Thank you for the example you set. What else could we do? What else could we do but, but love you? We pray all these things in your name. Amen.